Hello, and thank you for stopping by. I am Brucker, but this isn't an episode of Autopsy of a Horror Movie. I did a really awesome guest spot on this show called Podzilla, and Jasher Drake and his brother Micah Drake are the co-hosts of it. I've had Jasher on this show before. If you recall, he was on my Halloween Kills and Sinister episodes, two very popular ones. And he started this podcast called Podzilla, and it's very good. It's a lot of fun, and I got to do a guest spot over there in which me, him, and his brother Micah discuss the 1963 Japanese horror movie, Matango. It was a fabulous movie, and we got to have a really in-depth and like analytical conversation about Matango on there. So I wanted to kind of help out my friends and get their show some more exposures. So here, please listen to this episode of Matango that I was on. And afterwards, go and follow them on Instagram at Pod. Follow their show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want more links, go over to the show notes. There's plenty there. And in case you're wondering, yes, episodes of Autopsy of a Horror Movie are coming back. I'm hoping to have my preview episode for my episode on The Wolf of Snow Hollow out next week. So don't worry, I'm just gearing up and I got a bunch of interviews planned out throughout the rest of the month. But for the meantime, enjoy this very rad conversation on Matango from 1963 over on Podzilla. So we got some big Godzilla news this week, which was that Apple TV is developing a new Godzilla TV show, which came out of left field, which mm. I'm kind of excited about. Do not know what to expect. Mikey, you've never even seen any of the MonsterVerse stuff. I've seen Kong Skull Island, and it's connected to those movies that have come out recently. Yeah, apparently so. That's really cool. Have you seen any of the new, like, well, I guess what has your experience been like with Godzilla in the first place? Have you seen much? Uh, no, I haven't. I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm new, new-ish to Godzilla. And the, the movie they're talking about today is like the first uh, Japanese horror movie I've seen. Uh, really? Oh wow! Uh, you know, or like you know, in terms of like kaiju and things like that. Yeah. So I'm pretty new to it. And my history with Godzilla is uh, everybody's about to throw their phones out the window. <laughs> is that that like? What was it like? Nineteen ninety nine Godzilla that takes place in New York. Yeah, yeah. With Matt, with Matthew Broderick. That's the one that my dad showed to me when I was a kid. So that's the one I kind of grew up with. A great entry point. <laughs> Everyone hates it. Everyone just has so much bad stuff to say about it. But I, I kind of like. I watched it when I was younger as well. It's got like a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it has a real bad case of wanting to be Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. If you, you haven't seen that one either, Mike. All right. I don't think so the 1998 movie yeah 90s like american remake yeah i would love to know your thoughts after you watch it oh my goodness yeah that's gonna be good it's a little while away but i'm really excited for it (laughs) (laughs) just because so many people have hassled it and put and like chucked it in the you're going in with a fresh pair of eyes yeah it's gonna be good i i'm sorry that your first introduction to godzilla has to be a very godzilla adjacent random mushroom people movie brucker but I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. <laughs> no, don't be. This was a fantastic entry. I mean, this was, I was not like skeptical in the sense of that. I thought that it's going to be like a bad movie, but I thought it's going to be like just really silly, but still enjoyable, mm. you know? And it wasn't, this was a very cool and serious movie. And I thought it was so good from like top to bottom. It was a very good movie. Yeah. I, I have, I have a lot of the same thoughts. I really enjoyed it as well. Let's just get into it. All right. 
Welcome back everyone to Podzilla. Joining us today is a very special guest, Brucker Nurse. Thanks so much for jumping on the show, Brucker. Yes, thank you. And good job. You got my name right. A lot of people butcher it. So yeah, thank you so much for having me on, guys. <laughs> yeah, man. Know my stuff. No, it's been awesome. I've been on Brucker's podcast, Autopsy of a Horror Movie, a couple times, and it's such a good podcast. I love just how much of a deep dive you, you go into classic horror movies. And you started up, you've just recently started up a new one, right? Star Wars, Star Wars themed? Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah, I yeah. So, Autopsy of a Horror Movie is my horror show, and if people want to check that out, Jay Sure was on to talk about Sinister and Halloween mm. Kills, two very yeah. awesome episodes, I, I will say. And and <laughs> but the the other project you just mentioned, yeah, me and a really good friend from college, Nate, we started a Star Wars podcast called Blue Milk Drop, and we are currently covering the book of boba fett but once that mm. show ends we will continue with very fun like special topics and star wars discussion episodes that we are very excited to get to awesome i can't yes. wait we've, we've had a little talk about star wars actually a bit on the show with we're still we're still figuring out what the word kaiju really means because there's a lot of people who come at it and it's just <laughs> oh like ah oh, it's just yeah. just a giant monster yeah so w- w- would the rancor be yeah. a kaiju exactly yeah we talked about like the sarlacc pit right that's a bigger creature Ooh. below the below the sand as well i don't know but then you get like progressively <laughs> you take the rancor like smaller and smaller aliens <laughs> like how how big does it have to be to be classed as one and then i was looking up online about the movie we're we're talking about today matango and apparently these kind of humanoid normal sized mushroom people are kaiju so who knows <laughs> so is, is there like a definitive like criteria for something to be a kaiju not really uh we we've we've struggled with this question Brucker. it's it's kind of <laughs> just a japanese term for like monsters big monsters and mm. then there's kaijin which are like humanoid monsters or humans with special powers so oh, interesting we probably need to get an expert on the show at some point to kind of lay the ground rules for them for us. But yeah, apparently, and we'll go over it, these monsters today are kaiju and kaijin. So who knows? But yeah, huge fan of Star Wars. Go check out Blue Milk Drop and Autopsy of a Horror Movie. We'll talk about them a little more at the end of the show. But today, yeah, we're talking about Matango. 1963 was directed by Ashira Honda, who's done a lot in a lot of these movies that we're covering, did the original Godzilla but mm. this movie is was interesting because it's not <laughs> not your typical kaiju movie. And I went in and saw that this was kind of rebranded in America as Attack of the Mushroom People. And it kind of posters and everything showing off. It's just a straight up almost parody of creature features type. I really didn't know what to expect. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to talk about it today. Brucker, would you be up for kind of sharing a little bit of a synopsis, or Mikey usually does it, but a little bit of a recap of what happened in the movie? Yes. <clears throat> Everybody strap in. Okay, here we go. All righty. <laughs> so, Matango. I've got my popcorn. <laughs> so, this movie opens up on a character in a hospital, and he is being questioned on how he ended up there. He then begins to retell his story of how him and six other passengers aboard a yacht got, uh, went on a day trip. While on this yacht day trip, they got stuck in a terrible storm and it left them stuck at sea, and the mainlanders assumed that they were dead. Mm. So the yacht is stranded at sea and they come across this mysterious foggy island. While exploring the island, they realize several odd things about it, such as uh, there's practically no fauna or animals, the birds avoid the, the, the island, 
but they do find a separate uh, shipwreck there. And when they explore the boat, they find no signs of occupants anywhere on the island. Um, there's really no trace of humans, no corpses, no bodies. It's very strange. And in addition to this, all the mirrors are missing from from the this shipwreck that they found. It is evident that the ship was a oceanography ship conducting some sort of research. Uh, it is speculated that it was studying the effects of radiation on the island species. And the interior of the ship is covered in this odd yellow mold. And yeah. they determined that the mold is from this weird mushrooms, Matango, and they are not to be and they are not to eat the mushrooms. Throughout the course of the movie are seven stranded characters scavenge and fight over food and fight amongst each other. Some of them succumb to the uh, delicious mushrooms, which are addictive, but once you ingest these, you start to go through a metamorphosis and transform into a humanoid mushroom, a matango. Our movie ends with our professor protagonist escaping an ambush from the mushroom humanoids and taking his chances at sea. He is rescued and currently is residing in the hospital tormented with the thought of wondering if he made the right decision to leave his beloved behind on the island, even though she was turning into a Matango herself. So that is, in a nutshell, what this movie is. That was, that was, that was perfect. A recap. Thank you. That was so good. <laughs> yeah, this, I, again, I'll say it again, I really did not know what to expect, but it really wasn't what I expected. I, I hate almost how this is called attack of the mushroom people overseas and how it's really focused on the matango or the mushrooms themselves because majority of this movie doesn't even touch on them Mm -mm. they don't come until like the last 20-ish oh they are present throughout it but you know the real matango the quote-unquote kaiju matango don't really come in until the last portion of the movie Mm -hmm. up until then it's pretty much just a psychological horror almost people trying to survive on this island yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's because they very much haunt this movie. And that's something that I kind of got, like, I was kind of getting from this, that this is a very spooky movie, but it's serious. And I agree with you, I had to say, Jay Sherbet, like, it sucks that the Americanization of the title yep. is Attack of the, what was it, Killer Mushrooms or Human Mushrooms? And it, it, it doesn't mesh with the tone that Honda is really trying to convey here. And I'm not familiar with him as you said up top he covered or i'm sorry not covered he made like the original godzilla movie he did i think 49 films while uh, you know while being an active filmmaker so i know you two have been covering a lot of his stuff and other kaiju movies where i'm curious to, to know from you two like where this kind of lands in the filmography of things they all have covered so far on this show yes so at this point, Ashira has been basically the running head of the Godzilla franchise. He made the first movie, and from there, it's all uh, almost avalanched into something bigger than, than himself. A lot of people only really equate him to these Godzilla movies. However, he has a huge backlog of you know other films. A lot of them are monster movies, but a lot of them are also dramas, war movies. You know, all sorts of mm. all sorts of types of movies. At this point. A lot of the movies we have been watching have been these like monster adjacent movies. Originally, none of these movies were supposed to be part of the Godzilla franchise, but he almost took a lot of this, a lot of monsters or themes from this backlog of monster movies that he made and ended up incorporating them into the Godzilla franchise and wider world as time has gone forward. So I'm assuming that's what happens with this movie. He's taken these Matango, <laughs> these mushroom kaiju creatures, 
and has later on down the track brought them into the Godzilla universe and has made this canon to that world mm. yeah really really interesting i i think he did do like a few we haven't covered them on podzilla but there are a few random uh, monster movies that he has done that don't really connect up to the canon in any way or don't appear again so after this i'm really really interested in actually watching those at some point because man this this kind of blew me away a little bit and it's something that he really does, and we've noted we've noted it um, pretty much every time we watch his films, is he inserts really topical and really, I don't know, interesting and important themes throughout each movie, that this one mm. definitely, definitely felt like that as well. And I guess we could go into it more in depth, but did you guys have anything that really stuck out or you wanted to talk about about this? Um, I mean, there is there's a lot in this that was so good. I was really impressed with the pacing of it mm. and like the the basically the whole direction and framing from like the like the, the craftsmanship behind this was so good besides the storytelling itself um i was really finding myself impressed with that and because like this this is a slow burn yeah of a movie time. i was kind of expecting like i said up top you know something a little bit more sillier and wackier but i thought it was so cool that this movie is not in a rush mm. to get to the the kaiju mm. in it, you know. They're, they they want to see, hey, let's just see how these characters, you know, behave in these dire circumstances, and like watch them turn on each other, yeah. and watch watch like the dynamics change and things like that. And I, and it has almost nothing to do with the the monsters in it mm. later on. And I found that so cool and so like just impressive. Again, just like the amount of restraint that it had because a lot of like the like what micah was saying that like how like the the kaiju come in like in the, the third act yeah. really late in the third act but we see like shadows of them and we see like mm. cool like creepy figures and evidence of them but like it's kind of like doing that that spielbergian thing yeah of, like, that's it revealing the monster at the end yeah there was a threat looming in the background yeah and like it really the, like the the restraint on that was uh executed so expertly i thought and it really added to the enjoyment of the movie yeah totally i mean even from the the get-go we were introduced to this guy inside a, a mental asylum or a psychiatric ward wherever he was and then it kind of just fades into him with six other friends on a ship really really goofy kind of funny music at some points they're pulling out ukuleles they're all laughing with each other we get some <laughs> like I don't know, just some real fun character-driven stuff. And each of these characters, a lot of the times in this movie, it kind of made me feel like John Carpenter's The Thing, or movies in that vein where there's a group of characters yeah, and that. the terror and tensions kind of putting them all against each other. Mm -hmm. Something I think this did quite well, and maybe even better than movies like The Thing, is that each of these characters, which are so well-defined by kind of their roles, their connections to each other. I mean, I'm pretty sure they were... Did you have the cast and character names? Because I'm pretty sure they were, like, all known as... Was one of them, like, the the sailor, the, the writer? Singer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The singer, the writer, the skipper. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, what's really cool about this movie is uh, all of them have, like, their own character names, which I almost said less than their roles are. <laughs> it becomes almost a sort of a clue-type situation for yeah. where people are more known for their roles. Uh, so we have uh, our seven main cast on the ship. We have Akira Kubo playing as Kenji, the professor. Mm. Kumi Mizuno as Mami, the singer. She's one of the two female characters in this yeah. movie. Hiroshi Koizumi as Naoyuki, the skipper of the ship. Kenji Sahara, who we've had on before, as Senzo, the shipmate assistant. 
Hiroshi Tachikawa as Itsuro the writer. Um, I loved that character. He at at the start it shows him writing a manuscript, <laughs> and one of the characters literally just like chucks all his papers in the oh sea, and he gets really mad about it, and nobody cares. I could not believe that. It's like he was like, "Oh, this is one of my best works," and everyone's just laughing it off. I felt so bad for the dude. Yeah, I did too. Um, I, I want to circle back to that after after Micah uh, nice. lists everything. <laughs> uh, we've also got Yoshio Tsuchiya as Kasai, the yacht owner. And mm. Maki Yashiro as our other female lead, Akiko, the university employee. She's a love interest of our main character, Kenji, the professor. Were they love interests? I don't know. I, it seems like they were before the movie. Um, by the end, they definitely were. See, I was taking it that, like, it was like kind of like a working relationship, maybe. Yeah. And that, like, there was something there. Because now something that stuck out to me in, like, the first 10 minutes was that... Uh, the the singer you know she's obviously fond over yeah and then when that student goes downstairs there's somebody says something about how like she's like too shy like she's too shy to mingle with the boys and she doesn't have like a lot of confidence about that um so but you know throughout the course of the movie her and her her and the professor have um some some sort of courtship i guess mm. um, but there was something that i wanted to point out was that like this is kind of like the the campy side of this story of this movie i think so like so yeah. we have a singer the skipper the professor the student the writer um and then like the the, the captain i guess mm. or no that was the skipper but um anyways why are these people together why why are they friends <laughs> like one of them was just listed as the celebrity like i didn't really get yeah <laughs> like what's the connective tissue between all of them how do they get on a yacht together because we don't even really like figure out why they're there in the first place right we get a bit of a flashback when they all meet up in some sort of bar and they're watching the singer sing and mm. the professor's like oh i finally managed to get the student to come with me and they're all kind of like meeting up and talking but we're not we're never sure on it. It kind of just feels like a fun, fun. They're going to go sailing and just have some fun out on the sea. But yeah, I think there's a brief line thrown out there that um, these people have money, so they just paid to go on a trip. Yeah. Yeah. It all kind of feels like a fever dream, doesn't it? And totally. Because like, like halfway through the movie is when we get some of those flashbacks. But I was also wondering if it was kind of like Honda, like playing into that, um, just like the theme of mushrooms of like, you know, this is just like, one of them like having a hallucination like this was a false memory you know yeah kind of yeah yeah yeah. like like the psychedelic stuff so i wonder that was like just him playing into that theme of like you know did this really happen or did he kind of just like wish this happened i don't know there's a lot of that because even at the start before they anything crazy happens in the island and they're just out sailing at one point i think the ship handle the sailor sees this huge boat about to hit them and then just like a second later it's not there and you realize he was seeing things or later on when someone sees the mushrooms for the first time they start remembering like some ladies dancing somewhere and it's just a lot of scenes like that you're that you're like what is why are they showing me this is this real is this it's yeah Mm. I, i really loved it it added to the feel of the whole movie something strange that i picked up on as well was that even just when we're introduced to these characters, bear in mind this movie came out in like 1963. It strangely kind of echoed to me a, a lot of the other horror movies from like 70s and 80s that I've watched. I mean, you've got the real popular singer girl who's flirting with everyone. And then you got kind of like the shy outcast one who, spoiler alert, kind of survives until the very end alongside the guy. And you've kind of got these 
character tropes that I've seen pop up in so many other places since then. But it's so crazy to me that this is just from a random Japanese movie that's quite unknown in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. It, it fits really well, surprisingly, because like you said, Brucker, it's almost... You don't hear too much about Japanese horror movies, especially mm. around this time. And it feels like this already just fits so well into the tropes that have already been established by American horror movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's just interesting and it's really weird too because I think, so I don't know too much about this director. Mm. I was doing some light reading on him and apparently that this this movie was kind of like his blank check, like if, if you know what I mean by that. Yeah. So he's, he's had so much success already. The studios are just like, all right, do whatever you want. And he had been wanting to uh, differentiate himself from the monster movies and do a purely horror movie is like what he was wanting to do with this. And but like while like having like a serious tone and bringing in all these uh, like imageries of things and which I've, I'm like getting kind of like mixed things about like what this movie could actually be about because I feel like that there's a bunch of different things you could get mm. into. Um, did y'all see that this movie was uh, almost banned in Japan when it came out? Yeah, it's crazy, right? It was because of the way the the infected people look when the Matangos got to them. Yeah, it was. I was reading that it was yeah exactly what you said, and because it was uh, presenting too much imagery of like uh, victims from Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Oh, wow! Right. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Which was like fifteen, eighteen years be- before this movie, something like that. So yeah, that's that. that that's that's pretty crazy, and we've seen that a few times. Like every every single one of Ashiro's movies kind of have taken. I don't know, taking some themes of what Japan went through during that time. And even even with this, I mean, everyone knows Godzilla's nuclear bomb testing. That's how Godzilla and all those creatures were made. And it's mentioned with this as well, that this island had nuclear tests going on. And that's why the mushrooms grew the way they did. Or that's why they became so infectious. Mm-hmm. Something else that I really, really enjoyed when we when they got to the island in the first place, the ship wrecked. It just seemed so cool, even just the set pieces and just how they showed the island. I loved when they got into the the actual shipwreck later on, and it's just filled with mold and fungi, and it was just, it looked really, really cool. Like, I was kind of taken aback with how much effort and how much, uh, the production design was just amazing. I, I felt grossed out as they were kind of opening up all these things and spores were flying around. I don't know why they stayed in there for majority of the movie. I ought to be scared out of my mind to eat in the same room as those mold the worst place to stay in yeah that was it, th- th- that was probably one of my favorite things too because it just looked so cool and it was so fun like how much time that we actually got to spend spend in that shipwreck i thought it was just su- super cool and still it kind of like added to that fun like spookiness yeah of it. you know yeah. it kind of felt like scooby-doo in a <laughs> yeah. way you know like like the gang found a haunted sure, boat yeah. but we're, you know we're going to stay the night in it because we're i don't know like ghostbusters or whatever <laughs> i don't know but it was it was fun it was fun in that way and i guess it because i didn't one of them i forget which one but i, I believe one of them kind of just said like or kind of said something like you know like, screw this let's go find a cave like, yeah. like at some point in the movie when they were kind of like getting being fed up with with it and everything yeah so i don't know it's it's int- I mean, I don't know. If I was trapped on an island and I found that, I guess I would make it work too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this is where kind of the group starts to fracture as well because I don't know if the just the environment starting to do stuff with them while they're in this place initially, but one of them just almost cuts himself off from the rest of the group. I think it was the owner of the ship and kind of 
locks himself away in his own room. You got people starting to find leftover cans of food and hoarding it to themselves. And other people like trading this food for others for the money mm. that they have on them. It's it's kind of almost like Lord of the Fliesy. It's really That was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if that's like some sort of comment on capitalism or anything, because mm. I love that whole exchange when he says, you know, like it's, it's 10,000 yen. Well, it was 5,000 yesterday. And he goes, well, you know, it's it's more rare now. You know, it's more valuable. And when he gets the 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 money from him, he just goes, I don't even know if I'll ever be able to spend this. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, why is he trading away these, you know, raw materials and these resources that he needs for just paper? Yeah, it's pretty much all they had. Because what were they eating? Like, was it turtle eggs and like roots? Was that what? Yeah, there were roots mm-hmm. were a main one. There were a few scenes where people were just really relishing these turtle eggs because <laughs> that's what he was putting forward almost like a like poker game or something like a few few turtle eggs forward and the guy was offering the money that's funny yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> i really wonder Jesh, you brought up the fact that they stayed in the ship with the mold i wonder if that kind of led to a lot of the erratic behavior between them because there are a few inconsistencies that happen as time goes on there's the ship near the start which um, it's almost like a mirage type hallucination. There's also a big tense scene where one of them, a tango, it seems like, is coming up on board the ship and they're all trying to defend themselves. And it eventually comes into a room where they're all staying. And then it cuts to a scene where they're all eating at the table and it almost seems like it never really happened. Yeah. Yeah, that was so good. That was so bizarre. That like that like weirded me out yeah. too. I'm I'm glad that you brought that up. It brought me out of it initially because I was like, wait, this must be bad filmmaking. I don't know. I mean, we've, we've had we've had movies like this before where we've watched the American version and they've cut out things the Japanese version had in it. So I was like, something must be going on with the editing. But just as it happened again and again, it really, really added to just the tension mm. and the erratic feeling of what is actually happening here. Why aren't any of them really acknowledging that these things are these mushroom headed people are watching them? Mm-hmm. And I really like the point that you made, Micah, because I didn't think about that because like, I wondered like how much of the spores or like the mold is actually affecting them yeah. mm. too. Because like when if like most of the because that's something like the film kind of like leads a little ambiguous. I think so. Like when if most of these ghost things like these mushroom people that they see on the ship are actually just hallucinations and they're not yeah. real. Because we see later on that like at least one of the rules of the movie that I got was that the mushroom people really come to life after it rains and so we yeah. didn't mm-hmm. get too i don't really think we got too much rain uh other parts of the movie so like it maybe could have been just the, the the mold messing with them that's a crazy way to think about it as well as at the end of the movie when kenji is sitting in the mental asylum near the end uh, we never see him actually eat any of the mushrooms throughout the movie, but he is visibly affected by the mushrooms or the fungus at the end there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kenji, who we were introduced to at the start, kind of had this voiceover. Never saw his face. We watched him throughout the course of the movie. He is the only survivor in the end. And then it cuts back to him inside the, the Institute and he turns around and we see see that he is infected. And I've actually read that they filmed different versions of the ending. Mm-hmm. They filmed him being infected. Then they filmed another cut with him having absolutely nothing on his face, but them still keeping him in there. Ooh, so I think I would have liked that more. Almost again, like like the ending of the thing if they went the other way. But mm-hmm. yeah, I really like movies like this that that have you thinking and have you guessing, but then have some real cool horror elements. I yeah, I loved it. I just want to transition here because just like one of the movies we've covered before, Mothra. This movie is actually based off of a Japanese story, or at least a short story. Mm. 
And I believe you read that yesterday, didn't you, Deja? <laughs> I I did, yeah. I, I, I found out that this was based on a short story written by William Hope Hodgson in 1907 called The Voice in the Night. Mm. And I, I had a bit of time yesterday. I, I got it on my Kindle for like 70 cents or something. <laughs> and I, I just read through it. And it was really interesting because it's quite different to what this movie follows. The short story, in the short story, Pretty much there's just this group of sailors or a few handful of people on a boat that meet this other ship in the middle of the night. And they don't really see the figure on the ship, but they hear his voice and the voice is asking them for food. And then while they're getting food for this strange figure, the figure talks about him and his wife shipwrecking on the island and then slowly, slowly eating mushrooms behind each other's back at first and not telling them that they're doing it. And then at the end, they, he's kind of like, that's why you don't want to look at me because I'm, I'm a mushroom person now. And then they give him the food and he goes and then they go on their way. So it was really, I enjoyed the story, but it's quite, it, it's really interesting to see that that kind of idea has been fully fleshed out in mm -hmm. this movie. It's a really cool like source material for, for him to, you know, just expand on and everything in this. Yeah, he, I, he did a really, really good job with it. And I love how you brought the fact that this is kind of a passion project for him or him wanting to try to get out of the mold. You can feel it. You can feel <laughs> mm -hmm. it. And I like it because everything up to this point has been getting a little bit samey. And this is really like, yeah, this has kind of blown me away a little bit at how his creative vision is and how his directing skills are when he can make a lot of his own choices. Real cool. Yeah. Isn't that also like the opposite of like how we normally think directors want to do? Because a lot of them like will start out in horror, but try to transition out of it and, you know, do yeah, something else. But right. This is the opposite. He's like trying to transition into it because that's where he wants to be. I, I love that. <laughs> it's so cool. Sure. And if, uh, a lot of the movies we've actually liked the most out of Honda's has probably been those where he's, you know, broken away from the mold of his big hits and has just started to do what he's wanted to do. Mm hmm. Yeah, totally. I had a, a question for y'all about the the island itself, because I think one of the characters kind of they, they they see that there's like a bunch of shipwrecks around the island and everything. So mm -hmm. were y'all kind of like getting any sort of like vibes or something that like the island is kind of like an entity itself that kind of yeah. attracts just missing ships and things like that? And like, because I was kind of wondering if this was like going to turn into that to where like the island not necessarily is alive but the island kind of like tricks you into like never leaving or whatever kind of like um mm. i don't know if you ever seen the movie the ruins mm. um where kind of like the vegetation is alive in, in that and really manipulating the the characters and that so i was kind of wondering if this movie is going to go towards that direction where like the island itself just tricks you kind of like how we have like haunted movies where like like the house is alive yeah. and like the house is messing with you it kind of felt like that i really love that scene when was it the skipper goes and tries to take their initial yacht back up and then we find out later that he didn't didn't escape he's written down all their names and said that they're dead inside the yacht for if anyone ever found it and then we see all these yeah shipwrecks in the water it, it's real interesting when you think about the fact like i was reading up about the matangos themselves um on different wikis after watching and apparently they're like a hive mind organism so it's very it's yeah that's a crazy way to think about it this island kind of traps people in and tries to make them eat the mushrooms and this whole island's just part of this organism it's crazy scary mm. growing its hive mind oh it, it actually very much reminded me of um 
almost like a Bermuda Triangle type mm. situation because nobody's ever heard of or nobody knows of the island which they end up coming to here. It seems like it's off all maps. Uh, and it, you're, you're right, Bracket. It definitely feels like this island is its own character in the story as well. Just bringing all these people and not letting them leave and people having to fend off mm-hmm. kind of the lay of the land. And it, it seems like there isn't much in the way of, you know, rations or food. Uh, almost like this fungus has taken control over everything here. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's so interesting because I was I was like trying to in in regards to what you just said about like the fungus, I was like that's taken over everything, and it was because what y'all said earlier about how he kind of uses like Godzilla as kind of like the allegory about like you know like the 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 radiation from like the bombings and things like mm-hmm. that, and they, they do mm-hmm. touch on radiation. And this to explain away like the the mutants and the the, the mushrooms here, but it was it, it felt like a um kind of like a natural parallel to radiation because you think of like you know it's like this invisible deadly force that you don't see is just in the air and it just affects yeah. you and that's kind of like what like nature's mold is to us in a way because it's just yeah. everywhere we inhale it and it affects us so it was kind of like it, it kind of felt like a, a repercussion obviously a lot of these you know godzilla movies do talk about you know like humans hurting nature through through that and how radiation the 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 byproduct of that comes back and harms us but this felt like a like a like an equal measure of that if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense like instead of like a giant godzilla we got like okay well the radiation's hurting us that's in the air here's like this mold spores that's in the air and it's going to infect literally infect you That's such a good, yeah, that's such an awesome way to think about it. And it's something that I, I kind of had to think about as well when the movie ended was Kenji went back in the, back in the Institute says that he should have stayed on the Island with his friends who are still alive, but they're turned, they're mushrooms now. And he should have stayed there instead of coming back to Tokyo because Tokyo's the same as the Island and that they're not so different after all, both people in each place has ever once become inhuman. Mm. And it, really interesting just how they showed, uh, I guess, all the flashbacks to dancing and people living large, going to parties, all the talk about they're just wanting to spend money, the singer's just trying to get with all the guys, or they're, they're all trying to get with her. Oh. Really, really interesting way to kind of look at it, that people are slowly kind of just looking out for themselves and just trying to get whatever they can and survive in Tokyo, same as the island. I I don't know. That's kind of what I got from it, but there's so many ways to look into it. Well, with you explaining it that way, it makes me more think of how, like, how different is, like, the high society hive mind from the mushroom hive mind, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah people that's... are really losing their own individuality mm. and kind of just becoming, you know... Everybody's become the same thing, all in the same hierarchy of, uh, I guess, everybody else in the world. Yeah, yeah. And it'll because I was like trying to like pinpoint. I think that's like s- such a good point. I feel like that's purposeful too about like the hive mind uh, parallels in that, and with especially like with the singer character, because I was like really because I felt like that they were trying to say something with her, and I was like kind of struggling with that until like you just made that point, Jay Shirt, and because so like you know they're on this island, and but. I found it super weird that she just wanted to go ahead and just eat the mushrooms, really, because I felt like that, yeah. like there was no real like temptation for her there. She kind of just did it, but it almost felt like she's she, very eager to, yeah, yeah. But it it felt like she did it just to like fit in with the island, if that makes any sense. Like like her mm. priority was to, 
you know, she, she on the boat, she was the woman that they fawned over and everybody liked her. And on the island, okay, the mushrooms don't really care about that, but they care about you if you eat the mushroom. So it, it felt like they, like, she like wanted to just like seek the, the attention of that and just be more absorbed into that like quote culture if that makes any sense i feel like i'm like not making a lot yeah. of sense right now but <laughs> no totally <laughs> yeah yeah so like, it felt like that she totally. just wanted to just literally be absorbed in like just accepted into like whatever the new yeah. cultural norm is on this island and i found that interesting that like during the third act she was wearing like her outfit was all like greens and browns and things like that that mm. matched the environment oh, right so it was I don't know. It was, it was just, I was like trying to think like, what are they like trying to say about that? Like she only cares, like she has no loyalty to her friends. She only cares about like fitting in like period. Yeah. Such an interesting character. Cause even before a lot of that, like when they get into the shipwreck and two of the guys start fighting over her and she's kind of just ignoring them, laughing it off, doing her makeup. She loves it. She, she absolutely loves everyone. I guess trying to, I don't know, mm. being tempted by her or wanting to get her. And she, she leaves with one of the men off the shipwreck when they want to go. And then she comes back and like tempts another one to leave with her. Such a cool character. I, I really, really enjoyed her and exactly what you're saying, Bracca, just all the different parallels. Uh, I don't know. I loved it. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. There's one scene as well. I think right after they're fighting over her, where they're all thinking that the reason they're hallucinating or going crazy is because of the woman because they're being so tempted by them, almost like sirens. Because <laughs> they make a rule, right? That yeah. no one can get with the student or the singer. No sex on this island. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's why I think one of the characters ends up trying to kiss her, and she just goes along with it and almost brags to the other female afterwards. She's like, see, everybody loves me. It's definitely like, you can tell that she really just wants to be accepted and wants to be liked by everybody, mm -hmm. no matter how that is interestingly enough like that them talking at the end you kind of see as the student is kind of envious a little bit of it mm -hmm. and at the end she and she in the end is tempted by the mushrooms as well and she chooses that over trying to survive without it so she kind of wants in a little bit on what the singer has and then that just eats away at her until she's turning inhuman it's crazy absolutely because yeah because the student character was a good uh, like continuation of that you know like did did she decide to conform and go with it or did she decide to be mm. unique and go with the professor mm. and uh she decided to conform that was a really good struggle yeah. at the end there because she she literally they fight about it she's like if we don't eat this we're going to die how is dying better than being able to survive even if it is part of this you mm -hmm. know monster-like fungal society yeah can we talk about that like third act for a bit of the last like 15 minutes? Cause are you kidding me? That like, that was crazy. It felt almost like a nightmarish, like Willy Wonka type scenario when they're going out into the forest and then they meet all these crazy messed up mushroom people and everyone we've kind of met so far, the singers, her arms been all mutated and fungus is growing off it. And you get Kenji kind of just running through it and getting met face to face and that that sound that they make oh it's it was terrifying they're like laughing or the oh my goodness i i was watching this like 1 a.m in the morning and i was a little freaked out i gotta say like this would have this would have scared me when i was a kid i would have been terrified <laughs> Oh, 
I would have been traumatized because it's just like constant laughing in the background. Very, very over the top. It makes anybody watching it feel crazy. So you have no idea how the main character Kenji is feeling in that situation. Oh, absolutely. And to me, like the scariest part was when they were bunkered in the, the ship and you, you see them, you know, c- come over the portholes and the doors and things yeah. like that. Like that was true because you get the, that true sense of like they are surrounded. They are trapped. Like that was that's what really actually scared me <laughs> from this. Especially in the ship, <laughs> the one place they thought they were safe in and they could fend them off. But, you know, coming through all the portholes they're almost the tides are, uh, the tables are turned in that situation mm-hmm. from being safe in their little bunker that's now their their trap i am i am a little disappointed that we didn't get like a little funny jump scare from the one like short mushroom that they did have in in the box that was yeah, in the right. ship that like if that just came alive it's like, hey, hey, hey. like that, that would have been that would have been great <laughs> would have been so good <laughs> little touch of that wackiness you were waiting for <laughs> yeah yeah like oh there it is <laughs> Yeah, it's such a slow burn up until that last, like, 10, 20 minutes. Uh, I just, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got a little bit of information here about the Matango themselves, who are kind of our only monster or kaiju or kaijin or however you'd class these things. But um, it says here that the Matango are a species of fungus native to a remote island in the South Pacific. They are mutated by the radiation from nuclear tests conducted in the area. When not colonizing a host, the Matango resembled large orange mushrooms with unusually large spores emanating from them. After infecting a human host, the host will gradually grow mats of fungus out over their skin and gradually go insane. Once the Matango has matured, the human's upper body is replaced with a fungal cap and their lower body becomes equally deformed with giant legs and long claws attached to gigantic muscular arms. It's freaky. Interesting. <laughs> it's terrifying. That I is. don't know why mushrooms are like so creepy in this. He managed to do it. I <laughs> Attack of the Killer Mushrooms? Like, are you kidding me? It's <laughs> it's pretty effective. I didn't think it would be. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what other like vegetation would have been like as I don't know, on mm. par, like what what I would have expected more. I don't know, like I guess like tomatoes comes to mind just because of that movie, but uh <laughs> Yeah. It's right. almost like a better than the classic zombie trope, because at least it's I know it's unique and it makes sense that it's almost like there's a host instead of just being completely mindless. Mm. Yeah, because everyone everyone survives this, right? I mean, like he says in the end, Kenji, they're, they're not dead. They they survived and I could have survived there with them. Like they're, they're just no longer who they once were. They've they yeah. turned into this another being. There are very few characters who end up dying in this movie. Uh uh, one I think gets shot multiple times because they're holding other people hostage. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I think the, the skipper, skipper. Yeah, he ends up uh, jumping off the boat or some something. He doesn't survive by the end, and those all happen because they don't end up eating these mushrooms, which would have kept them alive. You're right. Hmm. So interesting because like, again, like it's kind, it's confused. It's like. It's like who is the bad guy? Because like, what were the? Did y'all get like an idea of like the mushroom people were actually trying to do besides just bring them back to the forest? Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe, maybe like we were saying, maybe the island is trying to, or the fungus itself is just trying to bring in more people. I don't know. It, it is quite ambiguous. But just I trying, like to, that. just trying to improve that road traffic or foot traffic. You know, they just gotta <laughs> yeah, get yeah. more, <laughs> they get more, more, more island visitors. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always felt like i've heard that there are actual 
I don't know if it is true, but I've I've heard that there are certain bugs or certain fung funguses that actually do yeah, yeah. latch onto a host or do kind of mess with your mind a little bit. And we all know that like the the psychedelic properties of some mushrooms as well. It's kind of mm. it's kind of like all these things meshed into a monster, which is yeah. pretty interesting. You're right because there are actual some uh, real life funguses, and there's there are, like a bunch of studies on this uh, that infect small insects like ants and actually take over them to do their own bidding and it's a real wacky concept and i guess this is the natural progression of that what if this is almost the exact same which is bigger just a larger scale interesting that's really cool technically this is not unrealistic oh my god wait that makes so much more sense though because like that's probably why that there's no like real animals on the island because they don't want them to eat the mushrooms so like so they have like these humanoid things to like scare them off or whatever yeah that's true so do they not want them to eat the mushrooms i don't think that they want like i think they want humanoids too but like they don't want like turtles or birds maybe because like, like the things. smarter organism yes or like yeah. <laughs> maybe just like the compatibility isn't there like like it like the transformation for humans where it's perfect <laughs> but you do it for a turtle it's a mess like you don't want that you know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you ever seen a mushroom with a shell it's disgusting <laughs> yeah you don't want it yeah <laughs> um the potatoes as well i guess the reason we're covering this movie is because they do pop up a few times later down the track not in a huge capacity but uh, the Matangos appear again in the TV series Godzilla Island, made for kids, I think, using like action figures. Puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah the that's the figure. one. So we'll, we'll cover that at some point. Who knows? Uh, they also Godzilla feature Island. Godzilla Island. Get ready, Brucker. Godzilla Final Wars, they come back in as well. I don't know if they're just mentioned or they appear in some capacity. It might be they, they're just seen as toys or something. Final Wars is like the big culmination, almost like the big crossover event. Yeah. Uh, Avengers type situation where everything comes together everything in the Toho era so they appear in there in some capacity I'm not too sure we'll find out um, but they also appear in Godzi Ban another like YouTube <laughs> kids Godzilla show so I don't know how these things will appear in like a kids show but <laughs> it's wacky that they take everything from this horror movie and bring that yeah this is the thing that we want all the kids to see <laughs> Because aren't kids already, like, really hard to get to eat their vegetables as it as is? Like, do we need to, like, give them any more of a reason to not eat their vegetables? Hey, those mushrooms are delicious. <laughs> they are addictive. Yeah. Uh, the last place I think they show up in is a game for the NES called Godzilla Monster of Monsters mm. when they're one of the villains in that. They're also in Super Mario World, right? Yeah, that's, there you go. We've got a connection. <laughs> Mario's growing whenever he eats a mushroom and slowly you just don't see him slowly turning in human yeah <laughs> um I do have a little bit of trivia as well just on this movie so director Steven Soderbergh actually wanted to remake this film yes. he's the director of the Ocean's Eleven trilogy oh. and a lot of other popular films so he, he really loved this movie as a child it really frightened him and he wanted to remake it. He actually got into talks with Toho, but the project unfortunately never got off the ground. Oh, man. I wonder how Soderbergh would have done with that, because I don't know why. I just I don't see him doing horror, but that would be interesting. Mm. Has he done any horror in the past? I don't think he has. And you're quite a fan of the Oceans movies, right, Brucker? Ocean's Eleven is one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> um, it's so good. I actually just watched that the other night for like the hundredth time. Yeah, I... <laughs> 
Maybe it was like a spin-off Ocean 7 when seven sailors go on the ocean. Oh, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Um, I've only got a few other things here, but the screenwriter for this, Takeshi Kimura, uh, who's previously written uh, screenplays for other movies we've covered on here, Rodan, The Mysterians, and a lot of Ashiro's other stuff. He considers this to be his finest work, the finest thing he's ever written. And he's actually been less enthusiastic of everything that's come since, or I think he's done a few other Godzilla movies that all of which he's written under a different name or under a pseudonym. Mm. So this was kind of, he, he thought that this was it. He really loved this movie and he didn't think anything else lived up to it afterwards, which is crazy. Wow. I mean, this is a really good movie. I mean, uh, I can't speak to his other stuff, but this movie was fantastic. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think actually that's everything that I have here based on the story. Yeah. Voice in the night. I reckon give it a, give it a go guys. It's, you can find it online or it's on like ebook stores. I really enjoyed reading that. How long is it? Ah, real short. I read it in about 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really effective for what it was as well. Um, well, I think that's, think that's everything. Did you guys want to kind of give your final thoughts on the movie? And I don't know, did you have a rating for us, Micah? What should we give this thing? What should we rate this thing out of five? Yeah, usually we give it a wacky rating. (laughs) Tossing up between the mushrooms or the turtle eggs for this one. (laughs) Turtle eggs. I like turtle eggs. Let's go with that. Okay. Uh, what were your thoughts, Biker? Um, I like this. I, I really loved how this movie didn't just rely on the premise of the evil, kind of the evil entity as the only driving force. It was more of a psychological horror, and you could really see all the interactions between the characters and the natural progression of how that came to an almost Lord of the Flies-like scenario, like you said, Jasha. Yeah. And I, lo- yeah, I loved how, because they were so secretive about what the Matango were, the, that final, final scene was just so impactful. Mm. Like, I need to watch it again because it just really, really stood out to me. No, but I, I loved it. All the characters, I think their tropes that they had suited them really well and made them quite memorable. It was good. I did like it. I would probably give this a... Oh, I'm not a fan of rating things high, but I <laughs> did like this a lot. I'd probably give it like a... A good four turtle eggs out of five. Four out of five. How about you, Bracker? What were your thoughts? Nice. Yeah, I mean, I echo a lot of things that uh, Micah had to say. I think that it was just fantastic. It was a great introduction into kaiju for me. Um, And it was, you know, psychological horror, everything I said about, like, the pacing. It This movie, I felt like, was just... It was just a masterclass and, you know, just crafting spookiness and horror and thriller like it was mm. it was so good it was this is probably i'm keeping up on letterbox with like first watches for the year of 2022 and this is so far my favorite first watch oh, nice. so far oh, that that's I've awesome. done this year this is this was so good so i would i think we go a tad higher i think i'll give it four and a half turtle eggs i'm gonna give it four eggs and a yolk <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, everything you guys have said, I thought this was going to be very silly when I saw the premise and saw everything before watching it, but was really, really surprised. I mean, this is kind of my jam. I really love horrors like this that are just really character driven, slow, dropping little hints here and there, and then it kind of blow you away with, with something later down the track. The special effects as well, I kind of liked how this was a little bit like body horror mm-hmm. like. I don't know. I love the creatures. I loved, I loved, I loved everything about this. I'll probably give it a four and a half 
total legs out of five as well i think the the best movie potentially that i've watched for this podcast so far <gasps> so give it a watch guys matango you wouldn't think that it it's as good as it is and i think it's very like unknown as well so mm-hmm. if you haven't watched it everyone track it yeah. down good movie night with some friends yeah it's actually pretty easy to watch um it's available on a lot of sites for free and legally um if people uh, have Tubi. it's on tubies on daily motion um so it's it's pretty easy to to get a hold of and yeah like you said high recommend mm. did you guys have like a favorite human character one of the <laughs> one of the roles I, I think i like the singer i liked was it name mommy i liked her she was great <laughs> <laughs> she was the most interesting so she's probably the most complex i thought yeah. um but i was having a hard time with that because um, I guess maybe the professor, just because he seemed like the most moral mm. out of everybody. Like he didn't really seem like he had a, a, an agenda besides just getting off the island and surviving and trying to get as many people to come along with him. So uh, yeah, so those are that's kind of like my take on the characters that I liked. Yeah. I'm probably the same with you. I like the skipper. Halfway through the movie, everybody's hassling him, saying like, "You don't have jurisdiction over us anymore because we're not on the ship." And he he's rebuttaling back saying i literally just want to lead you guys out of here that's what i've been doing <laughs> so far mm-hmm. he, he was an interesting character as well because you find out that he was literally just hired for this job like he's just kind of like a second rate skipper he was just hired none of them really respect him Gosh. yeah i really liked a lot of the characters they were great mm-hmm. i think that is us guys for the matango episode thanks so much Bracker, for joining us this yes, was yeah. amazing we've got to get you on again at some point absolutely i would love to where can people find more of you tell us a little bit about where they can track down autopsy of horror movie and blue milk drop yeah so thank you again uh jaysher and micah for having me on this was such a blast and also you got to expose me to this movie that i is now like one of my new favorites this is so good <laughs> our pleasure um, yeah uh, autopsy of a horror movie can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts be sure to give me five stars on spotify and itunes and you can follow me on twitter and instagram at brucker horror and blue milk drop is available everywhere as well and you can find the twitter and instagram for that at blue milk drop and while you're giving reviews go ahead and give podzilla five stars <laughs> thanks man we'll also chuck the the links to brucker's shows and his social medias in the show notes so check it out well worth doing love the shows uh, yeah, that's us for this week, guys. Next episode, we're tackling Atragon, which is another movie directed by Ashiro Honda, another very adjacent to Godzilla type thing. But the synopsis for this is that the legendary empire of the Lost Covenant of Mu reappears to threaten the world with domination. While countries unite to resist, an isolated World War II captain has created the greatest warship ever seen and possibly the surface world's only defense. Wow. Sounds amazing. Sounds crazy i'm looking forward to it after this apparently it introduces a kaiju that's going to pop up a bit coming forward so that's going to be a good time but thanks everyone for listening check us out on our socials make sure to review brucker's shows and podzilla if you haven't already and we'll see you in a fortnight bye everyone you've been listening to podzilla with your hosts jay Shear and micah drake be sure to follow our socials, join our Discord, and check out Cassie Celine, who did our amazing podcast art. The links are all in our show notes. And just a disclaimer that any musical sound effects used in this episode belong entirely to the Toho Company. See you in two weeks.